It's now time for the Billy C Show, part of the BillyCBoxing.com network. Live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calajero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Show, she, she show by the she, she, she show. Anyway, it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by my book. Tom Molino from Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to this show. Just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told. Uh, today's show is also being brought to us in part by our 24-hour, seven-day-a-week uh, television channel. That's right. You can get it now on all the major streaming uh, services. Uh, just go to GinecoUSA.com uh, and get all the information. Uh, it's pretty cool. We got uh, uh, all kinds of stuff uh, broadcasting on there 24-7. All of our, of course, uh, replays of this show, uh, but all of our special events we've done over the last 15 years. Uh, so tune in, check it out, and drop me an email, Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, and let me know what you think. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, 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 Tyson Fury fight uh, coming up a little bit later on the show. We got uh, Dax Khan joining us, Alice Perpally, and uh, the beautiful Emily Harney. Uh, so uh, let's get started. Tyson Fury... Um, I, and, and you know what? I, I'm so sick of hearing the linear champion of the world. I mean, come on, man. Come on. Yeah, maybe he's the linear champion. But I, I, have networks become so bad that they they feel they can't promote a fight at all unless there's some kind of a title on? I mean, I, you know, Tyson Fury in himself is a draw. I mean, I, does it really matter if he had a belt or not? Uh, I don't think so. You know, I mean, personally, I, I don't think so. You know, but uh, in any event, it was kind of a tough fight for him, uh, in, in my opinion. Anyway, um, he got uh, cut, um, and uh, he retained his title uh, with a unanimous decision, 116-112, 117-111, and uh, one of the judges scored it, 118-110. Uh, Tyson Fury improved to 29-0 and with a draw with 20 knockouts. Um, you know, I tell you, I give uh, Otto Weilin or Willin or however they were uh, uh, pronouncing it uh, a lot of credit. Joey Gamash is trainer. Uh, they seem to have a good game plan, but he, he, he kind of got away from it, working the body, just touching Tyson Fury uh, in, the, uh, in the midsection. Uh, it seemed to work. Uh, and then they abandoned it, you know. So I, I'm, I'm not sure what could have happened. But one thing is for sure, in my opinion, and a lot of people, including Alex Papali, who will be coming up a little bit later on the show, um, feel that Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight out there. It, it may be hard to, 
to argue otherwise. But I will say this. Um, to tell you the truth, I, you know, his weak point is the chin. Now, you, you guys all know, anybody that's been listening uh, to this show for any length of time knows that I'm not a huge fan of Deontay Wilder. But I will tell you this. In the rematch, which is tentatively scheduled uh, for the uh, winter, um, I, I'm not so sure Tyson Fury is going to survive it. Um, you know, I think Deontay Wilder in the first fight was was uh, trying to not be Deontay Wilder till the second half of that fight when he uh, dropped Tyson Fury and ultimately uh, dropped them for the count in the final round. Uh, but I don't think he's going to do that this time. I think he's going to come right out and attack Tyson Fury, and I think Tyson Fury is going to be in trouble. You know, his defensive skills were not on display last night uh, against uh, Otto Whalen. Uh, there's no no question about that. I mean, all you have to do is look at his face. You know, I mean, he got he got pummeled. You know, the one thing I will say that was a pretty dirty tactic uh, by Otto Wallen to uh, uh, rub his thumb into that cut. I, I mean, yeah, we all know that when a fighter gets a cut, and especially if it's caused by a, a punch, that the best thing to do is work that cut um, and and hope for a stoppage. And, and obviously that was the plan. The problem was, it was t at the end of the round, I believe, or during a break, and he did it, and it wasn't nonchalant. I mean, he could have got, you know what? He could have got disqualified right there. I mean, really, uh, he could have. But uh, uh, I, I was impressed with Wallen. I, I thought he came uh, to fight, and I thought he put on a, a, a good show. You know, they were doing their best to promote uh, Tyson Fury on the broadcast, and 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 I kind of like the team. There's no question about it. Uh, Joe Tessitore is is really good, and so is Timothy Bradley. I, I've never been a fan of Andre Ward at all, um, but they weren't at least during the main event. They weren't as uh, you know bowing to him as they have been in the past. Uh, but uh, I like the uh, I, I like the team in terms of their knowledge. Not so crazy uh, about the way they, they, they talk. I mean, they were, they were saying, uh, you know, first of all, the linear champion. Second of all, uh, Joe Tessitore made reference to how powerful Tyson Fury is. You know, he's not. I mean, you, first of all, let me, let me make this uh, clear. I, I'm a big Tyson Fury fan. I have been uh, for a long time. I had one of our listeners uh, turn me on to him, I, I believe, in his second or third pro fight. And I've been watching every fight since. So I've been a Tyson Fury fan. Don't get me wrong. But the biggest, first of all, the thing I said was his his big weakness way back when he first started was he has a, he had a tendency to to throw his jab upward. He seemed to have um, tightened that up a bit, and his boxing skill. I mean, come on, nobody can really uh, question that. But his weakness was his punching power and his chin. His punching power for a guy his size, I mean, you get uh, nailed by by a solid shot from Tyson Fury, and you should be waking up a week later. I mean, come on. And that's not the case. Uh, he does not destroy people. And Joe Tessitore was, was he, he alluding to the fact that he had uh, one-punch knockout power, which I, he, he, Deontay Wilder has one-punch knockout power. Anthony Joshua, one-punch knockout power. Klitschko. Both Klitschko brothers, Mike Tyson, etc., etc. One punch knockout power. Uh, Tyson Fury, not so much, and he's been hurt by much smaller guys. 
I mean, uh, Steve USS Cunningham, I, I, listen, from the time that he fought him, and Cunningham had him in all kinds of trouble with uppercuts that night, um, I knew that, you know, if he faced a, a, a heavy-handed puncher, that he was going to have trouble. And he did hit the deck against Deontay, uh, but he got up. So, I mean, it is what it is. Could he have taken Wallen a little light? Um, all the pre-fight stuff that came up to, you know, leading up to the fight itself would indicate that he didn't. Um, but the performance, uh, you have to say to yourself, was he, was he having an off night or was this kid giving him trouble? Um, interesting uh, game plan from Joey Gamash. Make Tyson Fury think. Um, you know, when, when I, and I, I hate to keep comparing him to the Deontay Wilder fight, but that seems to be the fight to compare him to. Um, you know, he didn't have to think. He, he knew what he was getting with Wilder. You know, bombs away. You know, I, I mean, that's the way Deontay Wilder fights. Um, but he did have to think against Otto Wallen. I, I wonder if Deontay has the skill, which I, has been my personal biggest knock on Deontay is that he does not possess a boxing skill but I wonder if he has uh the skill set or or uh, close to it to to mix it up a little bit against Fury in the rematch uh ultimately giving us a a better fight time will tell uh but uh, nonetheless I think uh you know a lot of times when young fighters get an opportunity like uh Otto Wallen did uh last night I think his stock went up. Uh, Tyson Fury, I'm not saying his stock went down, but that cut uh, was severe. Uh, they worked on it for most of the fight, and those kinds of cuts don't heal 100%. Uh, he will always have that weak skin there, and uh, considering it was from a punch, uh, that's going to uh, reoccur uh, down the line. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, the co-main event, on the junior featherweight division, Emmanuel Navarrete uh, improved to nine, uh, 29 and 1 with 25 knockouts, um, uh, fighting uh, in, in about a month, uh, uh, beat and stopped uh, Juan Miguel Ulorde. Uh, it was uh, 26 seconds into the fourth round uh, when the end came. Um, you know, how do you not love this fight? I, I, I mean, you know, you'll get people that, you know, claim they're, you know, oh, that, that was just a brawl. It wasn't uh, a, a display of skill, et cetera, et cetera. I, I mean, how do you not love a fight like that? Um, I'm sorry. It was extremely entertaining, and uh, uh, I loved uh, every minute minute of it. So um having a hard time uh, speaking today. You know, you know what it is? I'll tell you what happened. Yesterday. I was uh, I was in, involved in a fishing tournament. I like to go fishing, so I was involved with a fishing tournament, and uh, I caught a nice sized bass. And I, I've been fishing for a long time, fifty years. I mean, it started out as a kid, and uh, I'm a pretty good judge of the size fish. I mean, a lot of people always, you know, you know how fish stories are. Oh, it was monster, it was this and that. I'm a pretty good uh, judge of how big uh, the, the fish are, especially in the lake that you're fishing in and i and i know that and i this tournament was in lake george uh and uh i i know what what a monster sized largemouth bass is in that lake and if you catch a, a a five pounder um you know that's a pretty big bass if you catch a six pounder i mean you got a monster um now down south i mean you know they throw them back you know they're catching 10 12 pound bass but nonetheless 
I, I, I caught two of them that were, in my opinion, uh, at least four pounds. And the one seemed a little bigger, so I entered him in the contest, you know. And uh, we get to the uh, weigh station. And, and I'm one of these guys, I don't eat uh, fish, you know. Uh, I, I, I try to, but, you know, I'm not crazy about it. So, and I like to throw them back. I catch and release. So I was concerned that, you know, this fish wasn't going to make it. You know, I had a live well in my boat and everything. And uh, uh, anyway, I bring him to the weigh-in. And the guy goes, 2.92. I went, what? And even the other guy with him goes, well, that can't be right. Yeah, we're talking about, uh, I mean, you can put your fist in his mouth, you know. And, and uh, he's going, oh, let's try it again. And, and then the winds were vicious. It was like a tornado, right? And uh, he's going, ah, 2.92, 2.92. And I'm like, you know what? I, I feel more concerned saving this fish's life, you know. And I, I just grabbed him and released him, and, and he lived. Uh, and then it just irked me all day long, you know. I'm like, I know that fish was more than that, you know. And uh, later on, uh, my son-in-law, who who actually was in the tournament with me, went um, and was at the weigh station again with uh, a buddy of his. And they were going, oh yeah, we we're having all kinds of trouble with this scale this morning, and uh, now now it's all it's all accurate and stuff. I'm saying, so, well, what happens? I get the shaft, you know. But uh, anyway, back to boxing. Uh, Jaime Mugaya. Uh, improved to 34 and 0 with 27 knockouts uh, when he destroyed uh, uh, his uh, opponent Patrick Alate. Uh, at uh, um, it was actually the the corner stopped it officially at two minutes and 18 seconds uh, of the fourth round. Um, what I liked about this fight was that Mugaya seemed he, you know he always has that that feel out round, but in this fight he seemed to you know, step on the gas a lot sooner. Um, you know, I, I still question his, and I hate to say it because he's such an exciting fighter and, and, I, and I like him, um, but his boxing skill, you know, he's, he's one of these guys that just, uh, I, I crush you, I will come and crush you, you know, uh, but more with a Spanish accent. Um, but uh, uh, he won the fight. He's a monster 154-pounder. Um, and he, after the fight, uh, was saying that uh, he most likely is going to move up to 160, but uh, uh, he improves to 34 and over 27 knockouts. Alate uh, drops uh, to 40 and four uh, with 30 knockouts. Um, some other fights, and, and uh, Dax Khan, who will be joining us here in a little while, uh, was ringside for this one uh, in the Catskills last night. Carlos Takam improved to 37 wins, five losses, and a draw. When he won a unanimous decision, I'm waiting to see what uh, uh, Dax says. And and by the way, um, we are, uh, as you know, we had some uh, issues with uh, with the system here uh, for several weeks. And we uh, uh, the camera shot that gets the phone uh, when they call in, we have the uh, camera on them. I don't know if it's going to work. I, I w did not have a chance to test it because Dax was uh, ringside for this fight. So there's a chance that you're going to be hearing uh, our uh, vo the voices of uh, uh, the team rather than see their uh, faces. So uh, I apologize in advance, but uh, next week uh, you won't have that issue for sure. Um, but uh, uh, Colors to Come improved to 37-5-1 over Craig Lewis, who drops his fourth fight. He's 14-4-1. The way his judges scored it, uh, two out at 99-91. One had at ninety six ninety four, so I'm curious to find out what ja what uh, Dax uh, uh, thought. Um, but let me tell you something. 
Now, Joe DeGuardia and Star Boxing, um, they are, uh, you know, I, I know Joe, and, and I, he does a lot for boxing in the state of New York. But, you know, it, it's so obvious what this guy does. I mean, he, he takes fighters like Carlos DeCombe, and he will basically get him a couple of wins against opponents just like Craig Lewis. And then next thing you know, Carlos DeCombe will be getting another shot at a world title. Um, and that's, uh, you know, star boxing's goal. Uh, very rarely do you see them take a young fighter and build him up and, uh, and, and, and you know, go, take him all the way to the top. They're, they're more of a, uh, you know, recycle promotional company. And this whole card screams that. I mean, just so you know, in the super lightweight division, Anthony Lorano improved to 12 and 0 with four knockouts when he beat Brian Jones, who's 15 and 11. Uh, in the cruiserweight division, Richie, the Popeye to Sailor Man, Rivera improved to 13 and 0 uh, when he beat uh, Bumay Duffus, Israel Bumay Duffus, who drops to 19 and 6, and he struggled. Uh, another fight in the welterweight division, uh, Babacar uh, Silila uh, improved to 11-0 when he won a six-round split decision over Jermaine Corley, uh, who was, uh, uh, who's 3-7, and seven, uh, the son of Chop Chop Corley. Um, you know, I, you know when, you, when you have these fighters, and, and you, know, you could look at this in a couple of different ways. You could look at these opponents as journeyman fighters and tough veterans that could give uh, a young fighter trouble. But when they do get trouble and they don't improve from it, it's not helping them. We'll get more on that from, uh, from Dax a little bit later. Um, one other thing I want to touch on real quickly uh, before we take a, a, a quick break here um, is uh, they made it official. Uh, Canelo Alvarez will be fighting Sergey Kovalev. Now, we talked about this after the fight. We did the post-fight. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and there was rumor that that was going to be the fight. Um, this whole fight, Kovalev chose uh, to uh, take his last fight uh, instead of fighting Canelo last night. And, uh, you know, Canelo had his eyes set on Kovalev, uh, especially at, uh, you know, light heavyweight division. And, um, you know, they obviously got what they wanted here. Um this fight, in my opinion, is going to be decent. November 11th in Las Vegas. Uh, I knew it was going to be at the end of this year. Uh, I, I was thinking it was going to be the end of November, maybe even first week in December. But the timing is exactly what I had predicted a couple of weeks ago. Um, you're going to see Canelo fight on Cinco de Mayo. He will be fighting on Cinco de Mayo. Who he fights, I don't know. Uh, everybody wants to see the Triple G fight uh, again, but I think he's leaving Triple G in the dust in terms of uh, giving him the opportunity. It wasn't the fact that um, I think he's scared of Triple G because Triple G is uh, almost close to, to getting Social Security at this point, but um, I, I just think that he doesn't want to give Triple G the opportunity uh, to make the money. And Triple G is in a, 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 a tough fight in his own right uh, when he fights uh, on October 5th against uh, Deverinchenko. That, that fight uh, is no layup fight for, for Triple G. I think, it's, I think it's a tough fight. But back to Canelo Kovalev, I like the fight. 
and I'll predict it right now. You guys, anybody listening to this show for a long time knows who Brooklyn Mike is, my man Brooklyn Mike. Um, miss him. Uh, he was part of the show for a while, and uh, his schedule just uh, uh, tore him away. But uh, Brooklyn Mike uh, uh, reached out to me when it was signed, sealed, and delivered and said, uh, you know, oh, who do you like? Who's your early prediction? Well, I'll, I'll let the cat out of the bag. His early prediction is Kovalev. My early prediction is Canelo. I think Canelo's going to work the body, and Kovalev's getting stopped in this fight. Kovalev's doing, in my opinion, Sergey Kovalev is taking this fight for the check. He's making a ton of money, and that's going to be it. It's going to be the end of his career. This will be the last fight Sergey Kovalev has. He had an opportunity to walk out on top right now, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, it's hard to turn your back on, on the amount of money that he's going to make. Um, Canelo, after the fight was signed, sealed, and delivered, said, uh, this is the second phase of my career. It's continuing just as we've planned, and that's why we're continuing to make great fights to enter into the history books of boxing. That's also why I've decided to jump up not one but two weight classes against one of the most feared champions of recent years. Kovalev is a dangerous puncher, and he's naturally the bigger man, uh, but that's the kind of challenges and the risks that I like to face. This is true. He is naturally the bigger man. But I'm telling you right now, and you're hearing it here, when the fight night comes, I guarantee you, aside from height, that Canelo will not look like the smaller fighter in this fight. Canelo is a big kid. You know, all that talk about Triple G being too big and all of this stuff, that was all crocker you-know-what. Um, you know, Canelo Alvarez is a big guy. And uh, he's not going to look smaller aside from height. Uh, than, uh, than Sergey Kovalev. Kovalev said, uh, in order to be the best, you have to fight the best, and you have to beat the best. I've always tried to fight the toughest opponents in my division, but many have ducked me throughout my career. Canelo wanted to fight me. He, w he wants to step up to a higher weight and challenge for my belt. I'll be ready on November 2nd. I look forward to this fight. I, I really do. I uh, uh, have high hopes for it, and uh, we'll have to uh, see what happens uh, with this fight. And speaking of seeing what happens, um, when we take a break, we're going to see if we can get uh, Dax's uh, mug on uh, camera. Uh, I won't know until, uh, until I get him, so uh, we'll have to uh, wait a couple minutes for that. Um, again, if you're just tu tuning in, uh, we started the show, and we will continue with uh, Dax and Alex and Emily uh, talking about the Tyson Fury win over Otto Wallen. Um, what does it do long term uh, for Tyson Fury? Well... Uh, I think this was just a step uh, for him. I think it was a lot tougher of a fight than he thought. I thought he was thinking it was going to be another Tom Schwartz type of a fight, uh, but it wasn't. I think that cut he sustained will uh, reoccur. Uh, he hadn't had a cut in a long time. I, I forget when they said, some, I think 2012. Uh, but uh, you watch. This is going to come back and haunt him. Nonetheless, a win's a win. And he got out of, out of there with a win, 29-0 and 0 right now with a draw, 20 knockouts. Now it's up to Deontay Wilder to do his part uh, and beat Luis Ortiz, who's, uh, I, think, I think he's about to turn 60, uh, but we'll see. But should Deontay Wilder get past Luis Ortiz, then the Tyson Fury-Deontay Wilder rematch uh, will take place. Uh, uh, I believe they're going to do it uh, in January or February, so it'll be early 2020. Listen, I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, uh, we're scheduled to have uh, Dax Khan join us. Uh, so uh, uh, don't go anywhere. Billy C will be right back. 
Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, joining us right now, and I will be working on his camera during uh, his segment here, uh, is my man uh, Dax Khan. What's up, Dax? Morning. So we have audio. Oh, yeah. I can't talk to you while I'm, uh, why, when you have audio. I, you know, I see your lips move, but I can't hear what you're saying. So why don't you start? I'm going to work on no, this. I, I was saying nothing good, but anyway. Yeah, no, I'm sure. <laughs> that's why, that's why, thank God for the mute button. But uh, um, I want to start off with the Tyson Fury fight. Uh, what was your thoughts? Well, first, you said something that makes a lot of sense about those titles and a lot of people have been complaining meaning fans about just exactly what you said how many times are we going to sit there and talk about this lineal title Tyson Fury's a draw without that title why because everybody's talking about Tyson Fury constantly he's the, you know he's the uh, you know he's the he's the ultimate showman in the sport you know he overcame that cut it was a bad cut um, you know, the fact that he didn't let that cut deter him and he stayed on course, that speaks a lot for him, just like it did in the uh, Deontay Wilder fight when he got up off that canvas twice. You know, this isn't uh, the first time Otto Wallen has done this. Otto Wallen has a history of cutting opponents. Matter of fact, um, on the undercard of the uh, Alexander Usyk and Marius Breedis fight, I think um, he cut Nick Kisner. On uh, Kalesha Shields and uh, Christina Hammer card, um, the age and when he faced Adrian Gannat, prior to that he cut him. You know, um, he's a good fighter. He's a skilled fighter. He's not a known fighter. So, I just think people expected less of Wallen and more of Fury. But Fury did what he's supposed to do. He dealt with it. He overcame it. He went out there and he won the fight. What more can we ask of him? And why are we being so critical on him? You know, I I think that in some in some cases those fights. You know, um, it, it's like Wallen, his his stock went up in that fight. I, I, I'm not so sure people can be critical of Tyson Fury. I was a little critical in terms of a kind of, even though in the uh, buildup for the fight, it seemed like Tyson Fury was taking Wallen very seriously. But during the fight, it, it didn't seem so much. It seemed like Joey Gamash's game plan to make Tyson Fury think and get him out of his comfort zone seemed to work early on. Then Tyson Fury's skill set came in. How, how how affected by the cut do you think Tyson Fury was? To my knowledge, I don't think he was ever cut like that. I think he had a small cut early on in his career, but I don't think you know he ever had you know something to that magnitude. I mean, that was a pretty big cut. Uh, you know, possibly if Otto Wallen had that cut, they might have stopped that fight. But you know, so again. He did what he's supposed to do. He overcame that. He fought through it. He won the fight comfortably. We have to expect that. If anything, like you stated, our Wallen's stock went up. It was a good fight. It just wasn't the opponent that people wanted. We don't always get what we want in boxing. You stated something else that made a lot of sense, too. Deontay Wilder is fighting 
a 63-year-old Luis Ortiz. Again, nobody's complaining about that, except everybody who's not a PBC fan. Right, right. I mean, uh, uh, but I, I thought that I, I give Fury credit for, for fighting these young fighters, especially guys with power, you know? I mean, uh, Wallen had him rocked. Is that going to affect him in the, in the second fight with, uh, with Tyson Fury? I mean, with uh, Deontay Wilder. And Fury was in great shape, too. And I think that helped him out. I mean, if the, leading up to the buildup, I think that's the first time I've ever seen Tyson Fury sport some abs. As far as the opponent, if Tyson Fury just sits on the shelf, people are going to complain he's not fighting at all. He has to stay active. So this way, when he goes in there against these other guys, he's sharp. He's able to deal with whatever comes at him. He's doing exactly what a fighter's supposed to do. Gosh forbid he only fights once a year. No, wait. That's what he's supposed to fight once a year against a name that's kind of past it so we can marinate a fight against somebody else that just may never happen anyway. Right. Well, this is boxing, Bill. It, it, it's boxing. There's no pleasing anybody. Fury's doing what he's supposed to do. When they stop talking about him, that's when you know Tyson Fury in his career isn't going the way it's supposed to be. It's just true. Um, do you think this fight will affect uh, him in any way against uh, Deontay Wilder? I don't think so. If anything, I think Tyson Fury, because he is a cerebral fighter, is going to find a way to make sure that that cut isn't targeted. Because right now, of course, everybody's going to target that cut because Tyson Fury is really hard to land clean on. Yeah, well, I tell you, Wallen was adding, uh, was landing clean on him, it appeared, uh, during that fight, uh, in my opinion, it seemed, anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, he's not Pernell Whitaker, I'm saying, you know, he, you know, he's hard to, you know, continuously land clean on. Wallen actually um, admitted after the fight that he was targeting that cut, and he did a little dirty boxing in there. You know, he's rubbing the glove in it, things like that. So, you know, that kind of made that cut a little bit worse. Yeah, that could have, he could have found himself disqualified uh, uh, after that move, that's for sure. But, um, uh, all right, the co-main event, um, did you get a chance to see that? I know we're going to talk about uh, the fights that you were at, but uh, did you get a chance to see the Emmanuel Navarrete fight? Yes. Now Love that was, this kid. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you know, I, I can't stand when you start talking to people on social media and they oh, that's not boxing, you know. It's like, what are you talking about? I, I loved that fight. And, and credit to Juan Manuel Elorde, who came in, uh, and and basically just did not want to change his own style because his style is a come-at-you type, and we were treated to a, a, a great four-round fight, even though it, well, not quite four full rounds, but uh, I thought it was entertaining. Your thoughts, please. I, I mean, you know, for, at first people thought uh, Navarrete, maybe he was just the wrong style for Dog Bay, but, you know, he comes back and he uh, dominates Dog Bay in the rematch, and, um, you know, he has that one loss. I forget how many fights ago that was. But in boxing, you know, Bill, if a guy has one loss, all of a sudden they're, they can't be that good, even if it's come early in their career. That's just the way boxing is. But Navarrete, in my opinion, he just keeps delivering. He's a genuine champion. He has defenses under his belt. And uh, Alorde is, you know, a legitimate fighter. People don't know him here, but he also has a brother, Juan Miguel, who's a solid fighter as well. I mean, Juan Martin, who's a solid fighter as well. So uh, Navarrete, right now, in my opinion, it's time for him to fight maybe either Brandon Figueroa or Ray Vargas. Both of those would be great fights great styles that fit into his style and that's something that you know the fans would really enjoy and I think that would decide 
most likely, you know, him against Ray Vargas would decide who the best in that division actually is. And I really don't think Navarrete's going to be able to make that limit much longer. I think he's going to end up moving up to featherweight. He's a big kid. Yeah, he was uh, he was an exciting uh, fighter. And speaking of big kids moving up, uh, Jaime Mugai improved to 34-0, uh, took care of Patrick Alate. I, I didn't think anything different. I thought that uh, he was going to be able to uh, take care of business. Any thoughts on that fight? Magaya is a guy, again, somebody, you know, you like to watch because he's going to be destructive and he's going to go out there and he's going to put on a show, but he also gets hit a lot. Uh, you know, Magaya went in there and he did what he did. To, uh, he did the same thing as we've seen with Saddam Ali that really put him on the radar and won him that belt. But on the other hand, you know, he gets hit so often and so easily when he moves up to 160, he's not going to be able to do this. Because the guys at 160 really are just levels above these guys at 154 pounds. The question on Mugaya is, do we have a fighter with some longevity? Can he evolve into a complete fighter? Because if he cannot, this kid is not going to be around for a long time. He's 22 now, but he won't see 25 as a, as a top-tier fighter. No, not with the style that he fights. And, and you know, like you've, uh, like you've said, I mean, this is a guy that comes right at you and after the first round or two and then there's no defense i mean he's going to be uh, a guy that takes a lot of punishment uh should he fight uh you know a more talented fighter i'm not i'm not you know discrediting his his level of opposition but the truth of the matter is is you know they were talking like we were going to see a different version i was expecting to see a, a guy that was going to box and we saw the same mugaya exactly you know here, a little boxing one-on-one, -on -one. despite how good of a chin a guy has, how many punches he can take flush, little by little, those punches chip away at him. You know, use a guy like uh, Mike Alvarado, for example, or even a uh, Ruslan Provokhanov. They can take those punches. They're not going to go down, but little by little, and against guys that are much less caliber competition than them, you know, they're more or less, they're breaking that mold, and then eventually when they step up against that elite caliber guy and they end up getting knocked out, then now all of a sudden they're easy pickings for anybody. Remember um, John the Beast Mugabe? Remember him after the Hagler fight, let's say, or even before the Hagler fight when he would take a lot of punches, but then after the Hagler fight, you know, when he took that real beating, all of a sudden he became easy pickings, and that's what can happen to a 22-year-old, and that's why I mentioned longevity. Well, what happened with Mugai, I mean, with uh, John DeBeast Mugambi was really his own self because he was a guy that, um, that, that had trouble making weight. I, I think that kind of had something to do with him. And, and that adds into it. Mungaya, a big kid. How hard is that for him to make 154 pounds? You even mentioned yourself that they're talking about moving up. So, you know, weight. That on top of taking all those punches, Bill. No. You know, it's, it's a bad recipe. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, uh, you, can't really, uh, you can't really argue that. That's for sure. But... Um, yeah, well, let's talk about the fight card you were at. Uh, you know, I couldn't help but, and obviously I was not there, uh, but uh, I, I couldn't help but looking at all the opponents and said to myself, uh, typical uh, uh, star boxing uh, card, you know, side A and B clearly defined, although some of the undercard fights uh, seem to be uh, pretty competitive. Tell us about Carlos Takam. It looks like, uh, you know, he's going to get a couple of wins against the Craig Lewis's of the uh, division and get another shot. Is he going to be worth it? Were you impressed? Well, you said something about star boxing, that they have a way of taking guys like the calm 
and putting him in against guys like Craig Lewis and getting him another title shot. Carlos Takam was supposed to fight Alexander Usyk. Then all of a sudden, two weeks after that came out, he signs with Star Boxing. So, you know, Takam, he looked decent last night. He had a lot of spring in his steps. I'll give him that much. Um, He looked a little bit slower. He's not going to go in there against the top-tier guys, but he's slightly above gatekeeper status. But, you know, of course he's not elite. He never really was up there with the truly elite. So I think Carlos Takam, he has maybe one, you know, he get a few more wins like this, and then, you know, he has himself one big fight left in him and one good payday left in him if, Star Boxing allows it. We know exactly what they do to fighters and their paydays. And, you know, how they, you know, just somehow manage to continuously mess up big moments for fighters. But Carlos Takam has had those big moments. And maybe, you know, this is just Carlos Carlos Takam's way of just kind of like, you know, sailing out of, you know, the end of his career. You know, he wants to go out on some wins instead of some losses, make a little bit more money, and then retire. The scores. I couldn't wait to ask you. I mean, two judges saw it pretty much a shutout, 99-91. Uh, one judge had it a lot closer, 96-94. Was the fight close? No, 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 no. I mean, you know, Craig Lewis, he was on the back foot all night. You know, I mean, the best thing he was doing was, you know, kind of avoiding that telegraph right hand at the comms that came after the third round. But, you know, that same judge did it in all the fights uh, with the Richie Rivera and uh, Israel Dufus fight. Um, that judge had it 97-93, while the other judges had it, I mean, 79-73, while the other judges had it, you know, 80-72. And the same thing with the uh, Anthony Lorano and Brian Jones fight. Uh, that judge had it 78-74, while the other judges had it 80-72. So I don't know what fight that judge was watching all night. That judge certainly wasn't watching what everybody else was. You know, just getting back one last thing uh, to Carlos, um, to Calm. You know, if considering he does what I say star boxing has a tendency to do. He should take these kinds of fights and and win them convincingly. You know, uh, go after these guys to create more value. To, to, to do a 10-round uh, fight against a Craig Lewis, no disrespect to Craig Lewis, it's not like he had a, a terrible record, but uh, clearly not in the same uh, class as, uh, as Carlos. I mean, do you feel that he should be, you know, blowing these guys out that, that uh, they're going to be feeding him? Craig Lewis, to, you know, more kind of defend uh, Carlos Takam, has a great chin. You know, um, he's never been stopped. Uh, prior to this, I don't believe he's ever been down. You know, he's went to distance with some pretty good punchers. Uh, Junior Fa just barely got by him. Um, Jermaine Franklin, you know, beat him. But, uh, again, he gave um, Jermaine Franklin everything he wanted. So, you know, this kid, you know, is one of those guys, Bill, that just – won't go down you know there are those fighters that you know are not that elite but you know what they just don't get knocked out and that's why they continuously get this money they get these fights rather you know they're uh, more or less the paid opponents as we call them you know the professionals um canelo alvarez sergey kovalev signed sealed and delivered november 2nd we we all uh, talked about it and thought it was going to happen a couple weeks ago um what's your initial thoughts on this fight my initial thoughts were no are what are our they initial, now? <laughs> our initial th- what about <laughs> Callum Smith and what about Dimitri Bivol? That was that's my initial thoughts. That was my thoughts when we discussed this in Vegas. What about Callum Smith and what about Dimitri 
Bavall. Why are you not going after the most dangerous and top guys in these divisions? Because you are the pound-for-pound pound best, and you have all this. And this is no knock on Canelo, but I'm just saying, why is that not happening? You know, Kovalev, this is, you know, it's an intriguing fight. You know, the bigger man, uh, you know, the hard puncher. Canelo's jumping up two weight classes. Canelo has a solid chin. Canelo, as we know, despite the 155-pound title reign, you know, he, he's a pretty big guy. He walks around, at, you know, as a light heavyweight. So it's going to be interesting. Last night, Alex made a comment on um, social media about a fight against Andre Ward. If he came back, would be intriguing. And my reply to that was, no, it would be a one-sided whitewash for Canelo. Remember, Golden Boy, what they did was when they called out Kovalev, they also threw that call out to Andre Ward and said, if he's willing. Matter of fact, Dr. De La Hoya said, if he's brave enough to come out of retirement, Canelo will beat him too. Are they really overhyping Canelo? Um, uh, you know what? They carefully select um, Canelo's opponents. And, you know, just like you said um, with, with Kovalev, Kovalev, of all the light heavyweights, is the most beatable for Canelo. As far as Andre Ward, I mean, Andre Ward found uh, Sergey Kovalev's kryptonite, and you know Canelo's going to go for the same thing. They're going to work the body. That's why. That's why I don't think this is such a going to be such a competitive fight. I think Canelo's going to destroy Kovalev. Um, Andre Ward against Canelo, yeah. I do think that that would be an interesting fight, only because Andre Ward has been so successful and was able to walk out on top of his game. But the blueprint that Canelo is following, and again, like you, I'm not trying to disrespect Canelo, but let's be real. They're cherry-picking, um, for no other choice of, of term, uh, they're cherry-picking specific people with belts in weight divisions that they know that they have a better than 90% chance of beating. And like you said, Dimitri Bivol, well, he's a dangerous guy. They're not going to want to fight a young, up-and-coming, strong. And Bivol, the, the thing about Bivol is that is a naturally better fight uh, for us, the fans, because Bivol could fight at, at super middleweight. You know, so he's a small, light heavyweight. You know, so, so uh, you know, they're trying to use the, the fact that Kovalev is a bigger guy to try to sell this fight, but... But the people in the know, just like you mentioned, Bivol's the challenge. He beats a guy like Bivol. Now people really have to give him the respect. There's going to be a lot of people out there that are going to say exactly what we're all thinking. Kovalev's you know, seen better days. I don't want to say washed up, but he's seen better days. He's got a severe weakness and in, in hitting the body. And I think he's going for a cash out. That's my thoughts. That might be it. You know, I, I, I really don't know. I'm, Kovalev has not been the same since the, uh, the second Ward fight, and then he certainly lost a lot of that after the knockout to uh, Alvarez. So, you know, yeah, you're right. And the, uh, did you catch the comments on Friday from uh, Demetrius Andre? Not that I think Demetrius Andre beats Canelo, but Demetrius Andre more or less said everything that we just said, that Canelo's career has been carefully picked. He fights these named opponents towards the tail end of their career when he knows that they're very beatable, and that's what his career has been. You know, that's what he did with um, Miguel Cotto, he mentioned uh, specifically. Well, so, you know, is, is, is that exactly, you know, what happens? You know, is that, um, you know, is that exactly... Uh, Canelo's game plan is that Golden Boy's game plan. You know, you, you have to wonder. Speaking of Golden Boy, I got to get your opinion, Phil. 
What's with the new Golden Boy drama? Remember, Canelo was not happy with them with that IBF title situation. Now what happened with uh, Ryan Garcia the other night? All right, hold on. I was I was getting to that because we had a chance to meet and talk with him in Vegas. But just going back, listen, just to answer, to comment on, on your question slash comment, they, listen, they're not inventing this path. They, they're stealing this, this choice of path um, from Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather realized that he could, you know, con a, a, a you know a fan base, a, a, an era, into fighting guys that had decent resumes, good resumes, champions, but were at the end of their career. You know, the last decade of Floyd's career was about that. You don't see him. You, all of a sudden, a guy like Floyd Mayweather is awfully quiet about the Pacquiao. Remember, remember, oh well, if Pacquiao earns it. I'll give him a rematch. Well, he not only earned it. You know, he's, he's, he made Floyd Mayweather go hide in a closet somewhere because uh, there's no way that he would want to fight him now. Now they're talking about uh, Manny Pacquiao uh, fighting, uh, who, who did they say? He just beat Keith Thurman, and now they're talking about him uh, fighting uh, uh, another top fighter, right? Not, not Crawford. Not, not uh, was it Crawford? Um, not, that that would be no 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 but that's that no they were talking about him fighting uh oh god i can't think of it uh another top fighter that they were in negotiations maybe the winner of of spence and uh and and sean porter um anyway well, that, that could be that any, could be anyway uh to to answer your question listen i think garcia there's a clear uh, it's a clear indication of a guy believing his own press clippings. The fight that he was originally scheduled for fell out. Um, if you recall, he was complaining that he, he thought he should be the main event, that he's a main event fighter. He was mad about the money. He wanted more money. They had a, a big spat. Next thing you know, he was the co-main event. They, they added another zero to his check, and uh, his opponent drops out. And they, from what I heard, is, is they found a last-minute substitute in uh, Petrov, and he wouldn't take the fight. He said it's in God's hands now. So I, I don't know. I, well, I, I see the, the, what happened with that, you know, what he's really mad about is that wasted training camp. And Golden Boy Promotions knew that Sparrow had a warrant. You know, there was time for another replacement opponent. Garcia actually wanted Romero Duno, who fought last night on the uh, Mungaya undercard. Uh, Golden Boy Promotions said no, he wasn't ready for Duno. You know, but. My point, matter, my point of that, Bill, is there's a lot of drama going on at Golden Boy Promotions with their biggest names. There's no question about that. And, and I think, you know, Golden Boy started out a couple of years ago, uh, and actually, uh, let's give credit where credit's due, when Richard Schaefer was involved, they started with big names, Oscar and, and Shane Mosley and B-Hop, uh, but they were building their young fighters up on the undercard. So they it seemed that they had planned for the day that when the Greybeard, so to speak, retired, that they would have a new uh, generation of talented fighters. Well, when Canelo became the golden boy, so to speak, of golden boy, uh, it seemed Oscar kind of abandoned that approach. And then, of course, Richard Schaefer leaving, etc. And now... You know, they don't have a chock-full stable of young talent. They don't. And, uh, and, and greed has been part of boxing since day one. Canelo, uh, he's believing his own press clippings, believes he's the best pound-for-pound -pound fighter in the world, wants everything his way. 
Uh, he p- gets pissed off at, at, at Oscar. Uh, Ryan Garcia, believing people around him, where I think he's, he's jumping the gun a little bit. Uh, he really isn't that polished. I mean, yes, he's a sell. Uh, yes, all the girls love him, etc. But he's not where he thinks he is. And I agree, the drama's building. And I don't think it's it's going to bode well for Golden Boy. They don't have anything to fall back on. And Oscar, some of his own decisions that he makes are uh, not the greatest. He's more of a face, and he's great with media and stuff. But they need to work on the stable, man. I don't, you know, how much really, and I really don't know, maybe you know, how much really hands-on does Oscar have over at Golden Boy Promotions? Aside from being the face and and being the guy that that is always there uh, because he's a recognizable name and face, I don't think much. I don't think that he's he's uh, you know showing fighters anything. You know, if this was a guy that was you know Bernard Hopkins should take on that role. Bernard Hopkins is a teacher. He likes to to show fighters the way in terms of skill and stuff. And if Oscar's not going to do it, that's what these guys need when you have names like Oscar De La Hoya and Bernard Hopkins they need to be involved with these fighters they're not they, you know these fighters are in today's world of boxing Dax you know more than anyone you know in today's world these young fighters already have an entourage they already have a, a nutritionist and and uh, you know all of these people that are that are coming with them and as a promoter it's got to be really hard to be able to deal with all of that, I, you know, me as a former promoter, I've I've had a hard time dealing with with fighters that come in and you know have their trainer that thinks they're the manager and thinks that they're the promo- promoter and you know demanding this and demanding that. I couldn't imagine it when you you have a young fighter that you know has 10, 12 fights and, and he's got an entourage, a team of of twenty people around him. That's got to be hard to deal with. Oh, absolutely, that is. Um, you know, but. Sometimes, in my opinion, if you would let one of these young fighters go in there against a guy that they're crying for, they're screaming for, even though you know they're overmatched, and let them take that loss, then more or less, you're kind of seeing what you got there. Do we have a guy here who can be humble and say, you know what, I need to change, I need to do what... I've been told by my promoters, by my managers, and buckle down, get rid of these entourage, and do what I'm supposed to do instead of being a celebrity, be a fighter, and then I'll advance my career, and being a celebrity can come later. And if they can't, then you know what? You don't have yourself a guy that's worth investing that long-term promotional money into and so on and so forth, if that makes sense. Um, somebody in the, in the uh, chat room I'm seeing here uh, mentioned uh, about Eddie Hearn. You know, Eddie Hearn, again, there's a guy right there that is willing to just um, take every fighter from the U.S. and bring them overseas and, you know, turn them into superstars, and he does them properly. You know, just to upset the apple cart, I am so sick and tired of Anthony Joshua at this point in time. He just recently blasted Eddie Hearn about flight tickets. Who hasn't Anthony Joshua blasted lately? He's sitting there, he says, he called Eddie Hearn the crybaby penny pincher because Eddie Hearn books coach uh, coach seats on the airplanes instead of first class seats and the bathrooms are too small for Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua has bashed Lennox Lewis, he's bashed um, Tyson Fury, he's bashed everybody outside of Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua, why don't you just upgrade on your own? 
Eddie Hearn has made him filthy rich, and Eddie Hearn is a guy that has taken control and says, listen, just because you're making that money doesn't mean you have to spend that money constantly because that's how you end up going broke. What's wrong here? And then, you know, that's something like, you know, I mentioned that because these young fighters with all these entourages, that's how they end up broke. Well, you make an interesting point. Anthony Joshua should be worried about one person, and that's Andy Ruiz. But, um, you know, the truth of the matter is, is, you know, if a fighter really wants the guys they're crying for, and you're right, the promoter should give it to them. The difference with Eddie Hearn is that Eddie Hearn tries to make the good fights. He really does. You know, remember something. It's, it's not only the promoter that makes the fight. It's the fighter and his team that accept the fight. You know, I know how hard it was to find fighters to, that would fight people. You know, you got a 6-0 and guy, and, and you're putting him up against a 2-7, a, a and seven, and they say, nah, nah, he's, nah, he's too tough. Both of those wins came by knockout, you know, and it's like, huh? You know, I, I mean, come on. You know, it, it, it's, it's, they all have to play nice, you know. Uh, listen, the, the, one of the biggest problems, and I saw a post what Lou DiBella uh, criticizing Joe Tessitore last night, and I agree with him. Uh, about, you know, they're introducing Tyson Fury and the linear champion of the world, Tyson Fury. You know, it's like, wait a minute. You know, and I've said this for years, Dax, and, and you could back me on it. You know, the truth of the matter is, is the networks and the promoters and the promoters, the promoters are not, uh, you know, uh, removed from this statement I'm going to make. They're the ones that created all of this because they think that they can't promote an event without a champion. So that's what gave life to all of these sanctioning bodies. Because a promoter says, oh, I'm not going to pay that much for a sanctioning fee. And then boop, pops up another sanctioning fee. I'll tell you what, another sanctioning body. Well, I'll tell you what, you can fight for my belt, and we'll charge you half for the sanctioning. Okay, that's it. You know. And then the fan, who doesn't really know that much, that's just going to, to see a live event, you know, you hear them talking in the crowds. I've heard it many times. Oh, it's for a title. It's for the championship. You know, it's like, yeah, which one? I, I don't know, that belt. Oh, which belt? They're carrying it. They need an extra 10 guys to carry the belts in. You know, I mean, uh, you know, supply and demand. They're, 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 they're diluting the, the, the titles. You know, they're diluting the champions, I should say. You know, everybody's got a belt, Dax. You know, they shouldn't have been promoting that fight last night as a championship uh, of the world type of a fight. I'm sorry, they shouldn't have. There was two titles on the line last night at that card, the ABO title, which is something that I'm personally not familiar with. I've just seen it lately pop around on social media. So, you know, the reason why I mention that is because you're right. You know, they, they talked about how it was the world championship. What is the ABO world championship? Oh, they were? You mean Tyson Fury was fighting no, for? No, I'm talking about at that card that I was at last night. You know, they, there was this ABO. There was two title fights on there that they announced as the world championship, the ABO title. Have you ever heard of the ABO title? I've heard the UBO, but uh, no. no I... the, AB, the ABO, that's what I'm saying. This is a new thing I've seen on social media a few times, a couple times on uh, Facebook. I'm not familiar with them. But uh, last night they actually announced Anthony uh, Loreno and... Um, Richie Rivera, both as world champions. Richie Rivera is the cruiserweight champion. Anthony Reno is the super lightweight champion. You know, they came into the ring holding those belts up high. I don't know what the sanction fee is, but it was clearly the selling point on that card was those title fights. They even have, you know, the big C next to Anthony Lorano. It is that era, Bill, where a title 
seems to make the fighter when it used to be, you know, the fighter made the title. There was a discussion the other day on social media, and I was even having that discussion with uh, 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 J-Rock, Julian Williams, about the Canelo and Kovalev, if that's going to be historical compared to what um, Henry Armstrong did. You know, this is a different error, yes, but with so many titles around and these lineal titles and these interim titles, it's not even close. You know, having five titles nowadays, winning five titles, it's great. You know, that's an accomplishment. Of course, you can't take that away, but it's not like it used to be. You know, back when Armstrong was champion, I mean, he won titles in two different divisions in a year, and then four months later, he fought for a middleweight title, and then he gets a draw. You know, he actually gave up a title at featherweight so he can concentrate on the welterweight title. You know, he breaks the record, defends that more times any time in history. But nowadays, if you have an interim title, and then you have an Azteca title, and then if you have yourself, um, you know, uh, a belt from Sears and Roebuck, all of a sudden, you know, you're on the Hall of Fame ballot. It's just the, the sport is just really, it's those titles that sell. I'm sounding like John Scully here, because John Scully, at least once a day, has a rant about the belts and boxing. Well, he's right. And, and, you know, here's the thing. Anybody that would compare what Henry Armstrong did just goes to prove how unknowledgeable the, that person is. When Henry Armstrong did it, first of all, there were only eight weight classes. So to, to have multiple belts in, in multiple weight classes was a feat in itself. They weren't separated by, you know, a, a healthy trip to the bathroom. You know, I, I mean, it just, there wasn't, it didn't happen. Um, and, you know, today to, to have all those belts, it's, it doesn't mean, because then you have the argument of which belt has more value. Oh, well, if, if they have the WBC belt, it's everybody wants that. That's what Wilder does. Well, I have the most important belt. You know, Tyson Fury, well, I have the lineal championship. It sounds like the three bears with, you know, uh, what kind of porridge they're eating, you know. And, and then, uh, you know, uh, Andy Ruiz, well, I have the most of the belts, you know. So, I mean, come on, come on. But, uh, you know, the, the champion is supposed to make the title. But it's not like that anymore. Somebody in the uh, chat room, they're mentioning about uh, the YouTube belt. I'm thinking back to uh, Andrew Hartley against, you know, the ultimate troll, Charlie Zelenoff, when they fought. That was actually for the Trailer Park title. They yeah. actually had a belt, a Trailer Park title. It was an actual belt. That belt was from Stacy Goodson. I, I mean, what a joke. What a joke. <laughs> I, I mean, but uh, anyway, Dax, we got to take a break. I appreciate it. I promise next week we'll have your mug on and fixed with the camera shot. Uh, so uh, look forward to uh, replaying so you can uh, send it all out. And we'll look forward to next week's show, brother. All right, everybody. Enjoy your Sunday. Take care. That's Dax Khan. You can check him out up on the website every single day. Uh, he's putting stuff up there. Listen, I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, Alex Papali joins us. And uh, he'll probably have a really beautiful set all set up that no one's going to see but me. Billy C will be right back. Hey, fight fans. Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com. And tell them Billy C sent you. 
the one. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C, damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Uh, Glad you could be with us. And uh, joining us right now in voice only. And boy, he's got a beautiful set right now that I can see and you can't. Uh, my man, Alex Papali. What's up, brother? Yeah, I know. My lawyer is going to have to be contacting you because all my set design people, <laughs> my makeup people. Well, you know, all- that's the problem with you. I keep telling you to stop being a union shop, you know? I mean, you know, what, what, the, what the hell, man? You know, if you'd get yeah, normal people in there. Place. I have the whole Bella Lugosi feed here. <laughs> candelabra. Well, wait a second. You leave the cobwebs out of it. You haven't paid the housekeeper. I mean, come on. That's not the Bella Lugosi. But uh, we'll have it next week. I don't know what I, you know, I, I had to contact him and it's it's crazy. But uh, first things first, um, not to be confused with fist things first, but uh, uh, Tyson Fury uh, wins uh, against Otto Wallen uh, last night. Um, entertaining fight for sure. I, I, I think the cut really, really, really added uh, uh, some drama to that fight. But uh, Dax felt that uh, a lot of people were giving Tyson Fury a hard time. I think he kind of deserved it to a degree because um, either one of two things we witnessed. Either Otto uh, was a lot better than everyone thought or Tyson Fury may have taken uh, his opponent a little light uh, and then sprinkle in maybe it was reaction to the cut. How did you see the fight? Yeah, I think it's a combination of all those things. I think I think the thing that's really interesting right now is we have this is really an exciting time for the heavyweight division, um, and it, it's interesting because because I think each one of the guys is vulnerable, um, and that makes for interesting fights. Last night really was a wrinkle. That was almost an Andy Ruiz situation. Um, <laughs> what did what did Joe Lewis just uh, nudge you? What? Yeah. My, my, my cat took out Joe Lewis. Oh, too bad no one can see that. But he's got a big lifelike size of Joe Lewis in, on his set uh, that the union's coming after me. And all of a sudden, Lewis is down, you know. But uh, anyway. Yeah. Pietro scores a knockout. Yeah. Uh, but, um, no, the thing that – I think the thing that was interesting is that, you know, the best laid plans, you know, of heavyweights uh, are – you know, you got – that's a division where anything can happen. There are no easy fights. I mean, uh, Fury came to the ring thinking he was ready to conquer all Mexico. He came to the ring like Cortez, and he left like Kerry. Uh, I mean, that was a bloodbath, man. That cut is going to upset. There's no way they're fighting February 22nd. I would think that he's going to need six weeks to fix it. 
Um, so he's not sparring. Um, so I don't know. I think that they didn't want to in, uh, mention that. But I, I, I have a hard time believing that February 22nd will happen. Um, the thing about it that I think, I think, yeah, he underestimated him a little bit. And I think he kind of forgets he's not a power puncher. Um, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Joe Tess said he was. <laughs> yeah, see, yeah. I think that was a mistake. That's I mean, the networks. That's that's the thing that bugs me. You know, they, they, they build up the fighters. It, it's like, you know, I know they're trying to sell. I know they invested a, a buku dollars in the guy, but let's at least call this. And Joe Tessator, I love Joe Tessator. I mean, if, if anybody out there has ever seen him call a football game, college football, I mean, there's no one better. You know, he's, he's good. It just goes to show you. That when push comes to shove, uh, who's writing the checks gets the priority. Because you know the truth of the matter is, is ESPN Plus invested a ton of money in Tyson Fury, and last night he was a power puncher. Yeah, I mean these all these um, commentators, at least you know the um, the main guy there, they really are are good at uh, giving you the hard sell. Um, you know and. Uh, but I think we, you know, last night proved, I mean, that was another very difficult 12th round for Tyson Fury. Uh, Wallin had him hurt in that final round. Uh, I think, I mean, I think that that was a fight. I gave Wallin three rounds. You could, you could easily say four. Um, that's a kind of tough fight because, you know, a seven to five fight is one of those fights that can go either way. Um, so I do think that, uh, you know, an eight to four fight, that's not what Tyson Fury expected. Um, I think it is good that he got the 12 rounds in. And I think that he did show character in, in beating um, Waleen, dealing with the, uh, you know, the difficulty. I don't think he'll get hit that much against Wilder. Um, these guys know who they're training for. So I think he'd be... He's, he'd be in better shape, even though I think physically he was in good shape. Um, I think he, in terms of mindset against Wilder. Um, but yeah, that fight probably took a lot out of him because um, he got hit a lot more than he expected. And that cut is, like you, like you mentioned, that cut is going to open up again. It was horrible. You know, I, I tell you something. And, you know, as far as Deontay Wilder is concerned, I, I have always, I'm not a fan of Deontay Wilder, and, you know, people know that. But he's got freakish punching power. I think the problem, and the reason why I'm not a fan, is because he doesn't display much else. He doesn't display footwork. He, he, there's no defensive skill, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Tyson Fury showed some vulnerability last night. He showed that, you know, and Joey Gamache's game plan worked. They had Tyson Fury thinking. Against Deontay Wilder, he doesn't have to think. He knows what he's getting. He knows what he has to do. He knows that he's got to protect himself. He knows he's got to wait for the opening for the counter punch. He knows he's going to get the opening because of the wildness of Deontay Wilder's punches. If somehow Deontay Wilder can tighten up his game, if somehow Deontay Wilder can be more disciplined in that ring, I don't think the fight goes the distance. Because Deontay Wilder is going to be able to knock out Tyson Fury. If Otto Wallen, no disrespect, hurt him, and Steve U.S. Cunningham hurt him, and we almost saw him get dragged out in a stretcher against Deontay Wilder in the last one, and he clearly was hurt. I don't care what he says. Uh, 
you know, and and you make him think against a guy with with an arsenal like Deontay Wilder. I'm not so sure. I mean, you've been saying all along that you like Tyson Fury in the rematch. I don't know. I don't really know, Alex, to be honest with you. I, I think the game plan of working that body, touching him. But now, again, it's easier for a shorter guy to be working the body and stuff. Maybe Deontay just can't because of his size. Uh, but I, I don't know. I think we saw some vulnerabilities in Tyson Fury. And, uh, you know, he's in against the wrong guy in Deontay Wilder uh, because of his suspect chin. Yeah, well, I do. I Well, I'm not sure I would call it a suspect chin, but I think um, you're right. He Anybody that Wilder hits on the chin is going to go. Um, why, uh, Fury has proven that he can get up. Um, How many times, though? Right. Yeah, at some point that's going to run out. So... He, he, I think it's possible that Wilder could knock him out. But no, I, I still think Fury will beat Wilder. I think he's got oodles more skill than Wilder does. And like you said, I think Wilder's main um, thing is uh, power. And if he gets that to the target, sure, Fury could be in trouble. But I don't think, I think that's the thing about Fury is they proved last time if they fought seven days in a week, he would always give just discombobulate uh Deontay Wilder um however uh, of course I think it'll be interesting uh, that's why I want to see it again um but uh I think one of the things I did think of last night you know me I I, I like politics um was all through when Trump was running for president he kept at all those campaign st- stops he kept using uh the Rolling Stones song you can't always get what you want and it always seems sort of like a strange choice because he's like, what's he saying? Is it, he, he's not what we want. But if you follow the rest of the song, the rest of the verse, it goes, but you get what you need. I think that we're, that's where we are right now with the heavyweight division is that this is fun. This is, uh, the last night was enjoyable. That was dramatic. Um, I was very disappointed that all these guys went their different ways and, uh, and hooked up with you know different um, promotional uh, apps, whatever uh, TV apps. That now we had to watch them in sort of placeholder fights. Well, because each one is vulnerable, the placeholder fights Andy Ruiz and Otto Wallin have become sort of interesting. So um, I don't know. I think um, Deontay Wilder still has to get by Luis Ortiz. Uh, you know, I was just going to ask you, in lieu of the fact that, you know, Andy Ruiz upsets the apple cart by beating Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder fights uh, Tyson Fury in a great fight, uh, and, you know, we're heading for a rematch, right? Uh, Tyson Fury fights Otto Wallen last night, gets severely cut, uh, shows some, some uh, you know, uh, potential... Uh, for Wallen to, of upsetting the apple cart, similar to Andy Ruiz. And, and now Deontay Wilder's in the ring with uh, uh, pushing 60 Luis Ortiz, who did give him trouble in the first fight. And obviously Deontay Wilder is overlooking him for the rematch with Tyson Fury. Can Ortiz muster up a performance like a, a, an Otto Wallen or, or even an Andy Ruiz and really throw the heavyweight division because the truth of the matter is 
even if Deontay loses, even if Tyson Fury lost last night, they stopped the fight on that cut, it doesn't really affect. This is the thing that I, I, that bothers me about a lot of the young, unknowledgeable fans. It doesn't ruin the division. It makes it better. This fact that Andy Ruiz beat Anthony Joshua, that's better for the sport. Eh, everyone say, oh, it exposed AJ. He's no good. He's this, he's that. No, that's better for the sport. And young fighters uh, like Daniel Dubois, him coming up, and, and other young guns coming up, this is all better for them. You know, I, I don't know. Can Ortiz uh, muster up a performance uh, to, uh, to really challenge Deontay, or is he going through the motions? That's a great question, especially at the advanced age of 61. I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I mean, that's the question. Is nobody knows how old he is, but um, he, he's – well, and I think that's what Waleen proved last night. Every heavyweight is dangerous. Um, if they have it in their guts that they want this fight, that they want to win, they're, they're not going to go quietly. And I think that that's one of the things that ESPN Plus – that the um, zone um, that they're all kind of forgetting that they're like, oh, well, this is great. Now we'll marinate make that fight, th those big matchups, and we'll have little fights and big teasers. Dominique Brazil, all these guys can be dangerous. That's the nature of heavyweight boxing. Exactly. Um, and espe especially when you don't have a wrecking machine of a champion, and not one of these guys is a wrecking machine. Um, anything can happen, uh, and that's good because that for the fan that's awesome. The guys were watching. I was watching it with last night. We were cheering for Otto Wallin. I know, point. I know. You can't so, help it. <laughs> that's what's better than that, you I know? know. So you're right. I don't know. It, you're you're a hundred percent right, and and I agree. And people are going to be cheering for Luis Ortiz just to upset yep. the apple cart. And and you know, out of all these promoters, don't ah, marinate, marinate, marinate. You know, I mean, you know, uh, the one promoter that's and and I know Dax is a big fan, and I agree with him. You know, Eddie Hearns. This is a guy that really wants the best fights, and he doesn't hide the fact. He signs you when you sign on with with Eddie. You know two things. One, you're going to make a lot of money. Well, you know three things. One, you're going to make a lot of money. Two, you're going to be in some tough fights. And three, you're going to be flying coach. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, that's what you're going to know with, with Eddie Hearn. Uh, you're flying coach, and you're going to have to squeeze into the bathroom. And uh, if you, especially if you're a heavyweight, you know, it's it's going to be miserable. But you know, if you're making twenty plus million per fight, why not charter your own? friggin' plane to the to the fight. I mean, you know, I, that that's always an option. You know, oh, I hate that I have to fly coach. Did, did you know that they only let me check in one bag? I had to pay fifty dollars for the extra bag. What, what's this world coming to? You know, I mean, come on, AJ, stop right. it, stop. I only it. got to bring one bag to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Did, well, well, let's go that, ahead. Uh, that uh, Andy Ruiz um, actually uh, may have brought Mexican special forces as uh, his bodyguards uh, to the Saudi Arabia um, press conference. I, I saw a little clip of Eddie Hearn uh, somewhere on YouTube. And, well, it, uh, it, makes, it, that. it makes sense, Alex, because they're certainly not busy at the border, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think if I was Andy Ruiz and I was a little nervous and maybe, you know, he did meet with El Presidente, maybe he said, hey, you know, you got a couple of guys 
a couple of special forces guys just tag along with me. Well, he said, yeah. He said we have. He, he said we have a lot of El Chapo's guys out of work now. So uh, you know, but uh, Canelo Kovalev, we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, and uh, they signed, sealed, and delivered the fight, which incidentally uh, marked down on your calendar. Uh, I'm uh, working on that, but uh, uh, Canelo Alvarez and Sergi Kovalev. Um, you know, I'd I, I like to fight, but I don't think it's going to be that competitive. I, I think uh, uh, Canelo is going to win the fight. Um, you know, I, I would love uh, to see uh, your comment come true because I, I, I would love to see Andre Ward just get battered around, and I think Canelo could do it, to be honest with you, because um, he's not going to – I think Canelo can beat Ward, yes. And you know why? Because Ward – um, you know, he, listen, Andre Ward. Yes, he had Kovalev's number, but I, I don't know. I don't know if he beats Canelo. I don't know if he beats Canelo. I, I think Canelo is is a strong, uh, methodical fighter. If you give him the opportunity to work the body, he will. I, I think he learned a lot in the Floyd fight, not just how to cherry pick, but he did learn how to cut the ring off a little better. And I, I don't know if Andre Ward would be able to do much um, more than, than try to outbox him. And I think, I, I don't think 12, I don't think he could keep it up for 12 rounds. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it would be fascinating. I think it has the potential to be dull because they both are, uh, you know, craftsmen and very cantankerous and uh, thinking counter punchers, uh, or at least they can fight in that mode. Um, so, but yeah, I would love it. I think because of the layoff, that would be interesting. It would make it uh, more competitive. Um, but I think Andre, I would give Ward the advantage. Um, however, uh, well, you know, let's talk about the fight that did get. Well, made. wait a minute, wait a minute. I, you make one point though. The reason why is if it was his next fight, if he came out of retirement in Fort Canelo, if he got to fight three or four yeah, tuna well, fights, yeah, well, I'd be talking to, I'd be singing a different tune, you know. Right. Like one tune up or two tune ups, yeah. I mean, it would be interesting. But in terms of Kovalev, I think, I mean, I agree with what Dak's saying in term in terms of it being a cherry pick, um, and and it feeling like it's sort of a cheap way to get the a light heavyweight title. But when have we not seen that? That's the nature of this sport, is to optimize uh, reward uh, and minimize risk. Um, you know, and I think that is, in terms of what's going on at 175, uh, Bivol would be a lot more dangerous than Kovalev at this stage. Kovalev, number one, has shown he does not like it to the guts. And what is and, and what is and what does Canelo do the best? Precisely, exactly. Canelo is like I mean his body punching is brutal. Um, so I think yeah I think you're going to see uh, Kovalev get folded in half at some point in the fight, and I think it is sort of one of those. It's sort of like when Roy Jones selected which heavyweight titleist he could defeat, and he and he beat John Ruiz. I don't think people knock Roy Jones for that. I think that's pretty awesome that, uh, you know, I think you're right in the sense that it is sort of this De La Hoya, Floyd Mayweather sort of model of picking fights that can, you know, be made into look more than they are, um, because it doesn't mean he's the best light heavyweight in the world if he beats Kovalev. Um, but it does mean it, it's impressive. But like you said, 
we know Canelo probably walks around close to 200 pounds between fights anyway. So the, the fact that he's been fighting at junior middleweight for as long as he did was a weird thing, you know? Um, so I don't think making, and that's the other thing we don't know yet. What kind of crazy catchweight situation do they have? Does Kovalev have to weigh no more than like 180 the morning of the fight or something? So um, I wouldn't be surprised if there is some stuff like that, uh, you know, because it's Golden Boy and they, they're smart. Um, but uh, I think that, uh, yeah, uh, Canelo is like a Bobby Fischer uh, mentally compared to Kovalev, and he's just going to take him apart. Body shot's going to end the fight. Um, there's no question about that in my mind. Kovalev's doing it for the check, and, uh, you know, you, 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 you make an interesting point because at the end of the day, Canelo, and he made no qualms about it. He said it, that he wants to go into history books. And at the end of the day, him beating uh, Sergey Kovalev for Kovalev's title, okay, it's not like they vacated a title. It's not a, uh, a situation where, you know, here's a title. These two guys are going to fight for it. Oh, I won this belt. He's going to take Kovalev's title. That will go into history books, and Bivol's name will not. You won't see an asterisk, and, and well, he could have fought Bivol, but he didn't. You're not going to see that. So he's going to accomplish what he's setting out for. As far as Bivol goes, like I said to Dax earlier, it's a better fight for us, the fan, because Bivol could actually make super middleweight. You know, it's a more fair fight against two people that are equal in terms of age and size, et cetera, et cetera. It would be the fight. But uh, today's boxing uh, doesn't necessarily always do that. Uh, there's, there's, it's clearly defined as an A-side and a B-side. Um, I have I have one other question for you. Uh, Jared Hurd uh, fought a, a great entertaining fight against Julian J. Rock Williams, and Hurd was the champ. J. Rock won the fight, um, and Hurd uh, uh, had the rematch clause, like any smart champion would, regardless of who you're fighting. Well, it was announced uh, last week, uh, I believe it was last week, that uh, Jared Hurd is reneging. He, he says, I don't want to fight Williams. I find that fascinating. Here's a guy in Jared Hurd who's a big, first of all, he was a big uh, uh, junior middleweight. I never I never thought he was, I mean, he looked like one of those light heavies as a junior welterweight, uh, you know, super welterweight, junior middleweight, uh, similar to what you were alluding to with Canelo earlier. And here he's turning down the fight. Um, you know, why? Uh, if he can't make the weight, he's moving up. I mean... You know, taking care of business used to be so important to fighters. If they lost the fight, the main thing on their mind was to avenge that loss and fight that fighter again. What's up? What's your thoughts? Why wouldn't Jared Hurd, and no disrespect to J-Rock, I mean, this isn't a, a, a guy that is oodles better than, than Jared Hurd. It was his night when they fought. But why wouldn't he want this rematch? Well, I think because because it ended up being a much harder fight than he expected, um, I think, yeah, uh, you know, he didn't want to just leap right into that rematch. Um, it is interesting because that was one of the best fights of the year so far. Um, so a, a rematch would certainly be enjoyable, um, uh, or at least something, you know, I'd want to see. Jared Hurd is in a situation where, um, you know, he takes a lot of hard, clean punches. and um, I know. That's what I was just going to say. Every one of his fights are hard fights because he yeah. takes so many punches. So, I mean, I, there's got to be more to the story uh, because, you know, by him taking too many shots from J-Rock, 
I, I mean, it just, uh, it, there's something, something is, is not adding up to me. Yeah. It, it could be that he needs some time, needs some time off, you know, um, but, uh, or it could be like a weight thing, like you said, or it could, you know, this sport, Billy C, it could be a money thing. I mean, one of the things that I think that I did here this week, I think it was Andy Lee. I heard on another podcast. Um, hey, hey, hey! <laughs> one of the things he mentioned, and I that the reason why the Joshua um, Ruiz rematch is going to Saudi Arabia is that um, Joshua can win a boring decision there and doesn't have the pressure of having to look sensational. Uh, that he would if it was in the UK. Um, if that's true, then this guy is broken mentally. Um, I'm so fascinated about that fight, about that rematch. Uh, I really cannot wait for December 7th. Um, I don't know. I just wanted to throw that out there because I thought that was an interesting thing. I wondered what you thought. I want to throw this out at you. Have you seen Anthony Joshua's girlfriend or wife or whatever? No. Beautiful. <laughs> oh yeah. Go 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 uh go punch that up. And I think that could be the very telltale reason of why maybe AJ is not so into boxing anymore. Um and you know, maybe he just really doesn't care. You know? I mean, uh there comes to a point when you know, uh, we have everything we absolutely positively want in life. And uh, when you're that young and you have so much ahead of you, plus he's on every billboard. I mean, uh, you know, I, um, go check out his girlfriend, wife, whatever she is. And uh, tell me if uh, uh, if you think he really deep down care. Why, why do you suppose he refuses to fly coach? You know, uh, there's got to be more to the story. AJ has become uh, uh, a bit of a diva. And... Uh, it it really it really surprises me because that was one of the reasons I loved him so much because he did not appear that he was going to go down that path. The one thing I will say is he's been loyal to his trainer, although most people uh, feel that it's time that you know his trainer reached the maximum potential, and his lack of knowledge was exposed against Andy Ruiz. You know, um, Eddie Hearn and and other people just say he wasn't into it. He he didn't train. Uh, he pulled a Mike Tyson in Tokyo deal. He was out partying, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, he paid the price. But uh, it, it will, we'll see because if he doesn't destroy Andy Ruiz, to win a boring decision, I don't care where it is, isn't going to be enough for, his, right. for him. He needs to knock out Andy Ruiz um, to win the fight like that to make everybody say, okay, it was a fluke because if he doesn't, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if people criticize the victory in any way, shape, or form. Even if he dominates, they'll, they'll still criticize. So, um, nah. Yeah, I mean, he, not only does he have to uh, win, but he has to exercise a lot of demons. You're absolutely right. So it's, it's a big task. Well, listen, I'll tell you another big task is me getting the camera to work on you for you guys. And uh, uh, we may have to do a, uh, a test uh, before next show. So uh, uh, keep that in the back of your mind. But I'll be looking forward to you next week, brother. Me too, Billy. See, I'm going to go revive Joe Lewis. Yeah, man, he's totally out on his feet he's now, out. I see. He's but, out. <laughs> he's out. <laughs> All right, man, take care. All right, take care. 
That's uh, Alex Papali, and uh, I promise everyone uh, you'll be uh, seeing his set and uh, Dax's set and all of that stuff uh, uh, next week. So uh, I'll be looking forward to, uh, to that. But uh, in any event, um, I just have a couple other things. Uh, I guess uh, um, we're not getting uh, uh, an answer from Emily. I, I got to find out what's uh, what's going on with, with her setup because the same thing happened last time. Uh, it, it shows that she's ready, but uh, uh, I'm not able to connect. So uh, uh, we will uh, fix that, and I will reach out to her, and we'll go from there. A couple of things I just want to uh, mention real quick. Um, in some news, uh, Orlando Yusik, uh, uh, who was uh, a champion in the cruiserweight division, has made his jump official to the heavyweight division. He will be fighting October 12th. Uh, against Tyrone Spong, and uh, he will uh, uh, fight that fight. Spong is confident. He was uh, a kickboxer. He feels he's one of the uh, top uh, heavyweights, uh, even though he's only got uh, 14 fights under his belt, but 13 coming by knockout. Usyk is 16-0 and with 12 knockouts, uh, all but one, I think, uh, at the cruiserweight division. So that's taking place October 12th on DAZN. Uh, some other fights, November the DAZN uh, will be broadcast in the World Boxing Super Series uh, final uh, in the uh, bantamweight division, Neoa Inui against Nonito Donaire. Uh, and uh, in the, uh, that's for the uh, WBSS, uh, the World Boxing uh, Super Series final. And then uh, on the same card, Nordine Obuliai against Takumi Inoue uh, for the WBC's version of the bantamweight title. Uh, in uh, Inoue and Donaire uh, each have uh, one of the belts, the IBF and WBA, respectively. Um, as far as the World Boxing Super Series on October 26th, that, that fight is the 7th, November 7th. On October 26th, um, it uh, was announced that Regis Progress and Josh Taylor uh, will be fighting in that final uh, for the uh, Junior Welterweight uh, World Boxing Super Series uh, belt. Uh, so uh, we'll uh, see that in the uh, co-feature. Joseph Parker's taking on Derek Chisora, even though Derek Chisora recently uh, didn't like what he was getting paid and felt he should be the main event, so keep your eye on that. Uh, as far as I know, it hasn't officially been canceled, but Derek Chisora has been known to do some crazy things anyway. Uh, also uh, on that card, Ricky Burns uh, is back, uh, and uh, he'll be taking on uh, former IBF featherweight champion Lee Selby. Uh, and uh, in the cruiserweight division, Lawrence Oakley, undefeated, 13-0 and in 10 knockouts, will be taking on Yaviz Nagabu, who's the European uh, cruiserweight champion, 20-0 and with 14 knockouts. Oakley is a, a good young uh, fighter. He may be biting off a little more than he can chew in this one. Um, I got some emails I wanted to uh, read, and uh, this first one is from my man Rick. Uh, now, some of these, this went back to uh, last week. He says, uh, hey, Billy C., it's great to hear you back on the air. You know, we weren't technically off the air. Uh, we did take uh, vacation. Then we had a bunch of technical uh, issues. So uh, uh, we, I just i am glad uh, people uh, uh, were looking to have us back. I know one thing, um, a, a lot of people want uh, the show back uh, on a daily basis. Uh, the, the problem is, quite honestly, we need a, uh, a major uh, frontline sponsor to make that happen. So if you're one or if you know one, send them my way and we'll be back. We'll be back. Uh, anyway, he says, uh, 
I know Deontay's been out in the news lately, but I wanted to email you, <coughs> excuse me, about the lack of support he gets, uh, about the lack of support he gets uh, compared to uh, the blind ass kissery that Tyson Fury seems to enjoy. He says, uh, he's talking about on the f- forums. He says, I wasn't always a big fan of Wilder uh, either. He says, uh, for many of the reasons you list on your show, and I agree, he needs to add some big names on his resume, and Luis Ortiz isn't going to cut it. But I've been coming around ever since his rematch blowout of Stavern a couple of years back, and I have to admit today that I'm a Team Bob Squad fan all the way. For one, I find it hypocritical of the, U- hypocritical of the U.S. fans who whined for a decade that we needed excitement in the heavyweight division and we needed a champ uh, back in the States, and now we have one, and all those fans are running off to support Brits like Fury and Joshua. I agree, Wilder lacks elite boxing skill, but I don't remember anyone ever turning, tuning in to see Mike Tyson for his boxing skill either, but he, but he did have it, uh, Rick. Um, he says Wilder goes for the knockout every time, even when he's down on the cards late in fights. Speaking of Tyson, I think he's an interesting contrast to Wilder, as Tyson was notorious for being uh, most dangerous in the first of five rounds compared to Wilder, who carries his power late into a fight, in addition to all of his first-round knockouts. Compared to his contemporary, Fury seems to be consensus number one, despite having a, pretty, uh, having a record pretty much on par with Wilder's. I'll give AJ props uh, as being the only current heavyweight to truly take on all comers, but Fury's best wins really just come down to Chich. Chisora and Klitschko and the Klitschko fight was one of the worst fights I've ever seen downright shameful if you ask me for a champion to go out like that and prove that Klitschko was only dominant because of his size advantage the majority of Fury's career has been against guys like uh, Otto Wallen and Tom Schwartz and he actually gets praised for these fights for keeping busy not to give Wilder a pass he needs to rematch Fury and pick up a couple of more wins like a like an AJ or a White I think Wilder cracked Fury's armor in the first fight, and I think one more solid connect like that will finish Fury the next time. Lastly, I love that Wilder's been outspoken about being American champion. I thought it was really cool that he accepted an invite from President Trump when other athletes were making it trendy to boycott the White House. Guys like Steph Curry and Michael Bennett were made out to be civil rights heroes and had their asses kicked by the media, but Wilder showed up and stood right behind Trump, smiling into the cameras. I'd love to see Steph Curry or Bennett or Kaepernick or any of those guys try to step to Wilder and call him a sellout. I guess when you're the champ, you don't have to follow what's politically correct or what everyone else is doing. You can stand up there on your own. I appreciate the email, Rick, and uh, you make some great points. And I think Deontay's biggest problem was the fact that he didn't have a promoter, and he still doesn't have a good promoter. Deontay promotes himself. And some of his outrageous things that he says, I think, is uh, uh, kind of ruins it for him. Uh, although I will admit, uh, he does have freakish punching power, but that's it. Uh, I, I think that he will beat Tyson Fury in the rematch. And I think he's got a good chance of knocking out Anthony Joshua should Joshua get by Andy Ruiz. Uh, so we will possibly see a guy like Deontay Wilder uh, win the undisputed world heavyweight championship on power alone. It is what it is, and all that matters is whose hand is raised at the end of the at the end of the fight. So, you may be right. Thanks for the email. I got another email. This is from my man Steve Barr. Um, now Steve's uh, on the other side of the pond, uh, and uh, he met us met up with us at a 
Billy C. event on St. Simons with Sal. Uh, and uh, we, we love this guy. Uh, and he says, hey, Billy, just thought I'd touch base with you. I've been distracted lately with work and family issues. All good stuff, but diverted me away from the sport for a while. I've caught up with a couple of your shows lately and tuned in to your post-Lomachenko-Campbell show. Uh, I didn't know too much about Campbell, even though he's a Brit. I agree with your uh, summation and thought he acquitted himself well. He looked technically correct and kept his composure for quite a lot of the fight. But as you say, once he got caught with that body shot, he certainly wasn't the same. I agree with your analysis of Fury. He looked pretty uninspired throughout the fight and seemed to be going through the motions. I'd welcome your thoughts and opinion on Lomachenko and some other modern boxers who've received accolades, anointing them as the best boxer of all time, an accolade attributed after boxing only a few fights compared to boxers from yesteryear. Although Lomachenko had hundreds of amateur fights, his professional record is short, around 15 fights. And looking at his opponents, I guess his management has also been very selective in who and when he fights, making sure he doesn't come up against an awkward, tough fighter who doesn't suit his style when possible. Back in the day, um, fighters had hundreds of fights before they even got a title shot and had to take on all comers, southpaws, scrappers, uh, dirty wrestlers, brawlers, etc., etc., anywhere, anytime. Uh, don't get me wrong, Lomachenko looks excellent, probably the best around at the moment, although I really like Jose Ramirez. I love his all-action, non-stop, relentless style, meaning Ramirez, but I sometimes wonder if the best-ever accolades stand up against the old-timers. I'd welcome your opinion on that issue. Also, he's in, in still in touch with Ray Mercer, Marlon Starling, and Bobby Chez. I've exchanged texts with Ray occasionally, but have not kept up with Marlon and Bobby. Uh, I recently read that Bobby's going through a tough patch uh, at the moment, so best wishes uh, to him. He says, finally, just want to let you know that the boxing club, my grandfather, uh, and Neil Tarleton, British featherweight champion and outright Lonsdale belt winner from the 30s, celebrates his 100th birthday next year in 2020. That is the Everton Red Triangle Boxing Club. An unbelievable feat throughout its history. It's always existed to help the poor and underprivileged kids in very poor district of Liverpool. It's going strong thanks to a family of good-hearted local people who give up their time for free to continue to help and keep the tradition alive. They have a great crop of professional fighters and will be running a show later this month in Liverpool. They're currently planning to hold a few events in Liverpool to celebrate its 100th birthday, and I'm working on them on ideas to support the celebration. They're working on sponsorship deals, so if they can manage to raise enough funds, maybe you can get to air a live show at the club. I'll keep you posted. First of all, I would love to be part of that and uh, do our show. You, you know, uh, Steve, we've talked about it. One of my goals was to uh, um, you know, do a live show in, in England. I, I think uh, we fit well in England. As far as your thoughts on Lomachenko, um, you know, the best ever, um, I, I'm, I'm not so sure. I, I don't like you. Uh, it, I think the only way to fairly give an accolade like that to a fighter is after they've retired and you can digest their career um, to automatically anoint them uh, while they're still active is, is not fair to anyone, not only them, but the past fighters. I, I do believe he is a special fighter. And I don't think in his case we look at the 15 fights. He, he came from a country that didn't offer professional uh, boxing as an option. And to have the amount of fights and victories he had uh, is pretty amazing. And to see what he's accomplished as a pro and to see his talent on display in the ring is, uh, is great. And as far as cherry picking, I'm not so sure that's a true statement about Lomachenko. 
uh, because Lomachenko has fought whoever would fight him. I know they are talking about... Oh, uh, I just recalled the fight that uh, they're talking about uh, Manny Pacquiao to fight Mikey Garcia. Uh, they're working on that. Uh, that's a, a decent fight because most of us would love to see Mikey Garcia against Lomachenko. Uh, so uh, anyway, Lomachenko's a great fighter. As far as comparing the fighters of yesterday, you know, it's tough. I think the fighters today are better athletes than they were uh, from years gone past. But I think as fighters, they were much tougher back then. And the sport was much tougher. And the fans were more knowledgeable. And they didn't, you know, send a fighter off to pasture after he lost one fight uh, like they do today. And I think that that's the response, uh, that's the fault of promoters and, and networks. Um, the fighters of yesteryear were great warriors. Uh, the fighters of today are great athletes. They just don't fight the challenges. Uh, there was more pride back in the day. They wanted to prove that they were the best, and the only way they could prove it was fighting. They also had rivalries back then, town against town, you know, city against city. Uh, you know, before anything else, you, you were a local champ. Then your local champ, your local status carried you to the next town or the next city or the next state. And you wanted to impose your, your skill on them. And uh, those rivalries is what made boxing so great. And the fact that they used to fight each other more than once, that made boxing great. Those days are gone. Now they, they cherry pick and, and try to find the easiest way. And the most important thing for young fighters today is to keep their O intact. So uh, uh, great email from my man Stephen. I hope all is well. We'd love to come over to England. Uh, a couple other news, little quick news tidbits I want to throw you. Um, Adrian Broner uh, is being sued by a, a, a jeweler out of New York for $573,000. Uh, the gist of the story is apparently all the jewelry that you see on Adrian Broner isn't his. Uh, he rents it. Uh, some of it's his and some of it he rents to look uh, like he's clearly what he's not. Uh, but the catch here is that when he got called in to pay for it, he bounced the check for $443,000 to the jeweler out of New York and uh, refuses to make good on it. So in the state of New York, uh, that's a criminal charge. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but uh, Adrian Broner, just what a total waste of talent uh, going down the wrong thing, just thinking that he's above all the rules. And uh, speaking uh, uh, about rules, how about Manny Pacquiao? I just mentioned that, um, you know, he's, he's negotiating and uh, talking about possibly fighting Mikey Garcia. Um, but he also launched the first celebrity, because he is deemed a, a celebrity, in cryptocurrency called PAC tokens. And I don't know if you, you are up on uh, cryptocurrency, but uh, the most common popular one is Bitcoin, where you actually pay real money and you get Bitcoin. And some vendors and uh, services take the Bitcoin and they treat it as money. And right now it's a way uh, that the governments aren't able to, to get a piece of it, which I'm sure will change. Uh, but uh, if you invested in Bitcoin early on, you, you, you're making a lot of money right now. Uh, if you still have it, but uh, uh, Manny Pacquiao launched his uh, cryptocurrency called Pack Tokens. Right now, you can use it to buy Pack uh, Manny Pacquiao memorabilia or 
you know, souvenirs and and stuff like that. You could get discounts on buying tickets through him and all of that stuff. Uh, how it expands from there, I don't know. But uh, you, what I think, I think that, you know, he's getting accolades for being the first celebrity to do it. I see him tripping uh, the governments to finally put a, uh, some kind of uh, clamp down on, on cryptocurrency. But uh, anyway, hey, listen, we enjoyed you joining us today, and uh, we'll look forward to you next time. And I promise the uh, uh, off-site cameras will be working. I said that last week, I know, but uh, this this time I, I this time I mean it. Like Bob Aaron said yesterday, I was lying. Uh, last week I was telling you kind of a fabricated, but 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 next time, you know, it's going to happen because today I'm telling the truth. Hey, listen, uh, I just want to remind everybody: make sure you tune in next time, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.